We welcome you to the Truth Simply Put, our broadcast and teaching series at the Basilea Commission. You're about to receive God's unadulterated word, brought to you by Pastor Alexander Victor. Challenging, uplifting, and provoking you to new dimensions in your kingdom walk. And now, today's message. Hallelujah. So, we're looking at the privilege of Jesus. The special access or, yeah, special access or special advantage of Jesus. Can we look at that for a, for a short while? We're looking at the privilege of Jesus because we are raising by this series and everything that comes forth from the teaching of God's word. A people that are patterned after Jesus, patterned after Jesus as shown of the apostles and as shown of the apostles practiced in the early church. Anything outside of that, we are discarding it. The word of God is instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be thoroughly furnished unto every good work. Every good work. And the man of God refers to you. You are the man of God. Do you understand? Look at your neighbor square in the face. Don't smile and tell them, even if they're a lady or man, tell them, emoji. Because you are the man of God. You. All of us were called. We were just given different kind of gifts. I am not called to be a pastor. Nobody is called to be a pastor. Nobody is called to be an evangelist. <laughs> we are called to be sons of God. Inside sonship, you are gifted to be a pastor. Inside sonship, you are gifted to work miracles. Inside sonship, you are gifted to be antilepsis helps. We are just between me and the person telling you walk. That, that's why you see it's foolishness for you to disobey people that are giving you instruction in church because you think you are disobeying a less person. Because if it's pastor that tells you to move, you will move. But if somebody wearing a tag tells you to move, you're like, who are you to tell me what to do? You don't have sense. Because you see, I and the person telling you sit down are of the same calling but different gifting. So if you disrespect somebody because, ah, just an usher. Oh, pastor. Oh, pastor, it's good to see you, sir. And Usher says, you come here. You're like, yeah, I want to sit here. You have no revelation. Because I'm not speaking to you by calling. I'm speaking to you by gifting. We are all sons by calling. We are all sons by election. Are you following me? By predetermination, by the predestination of God, by the election of God, we are all sons. It's a priesthood of all believers. I'm just gifted differently. You are gifted differently. That's why every joint, as Paul says in Philippians, has to supply. Every joint. Don't despise the gift of God. Don't despise the gift of God. We are all called to be sons. Are you following me? The privilege of sonship. Let me start by saying the privilege of sonship is rooted in God's, I wrote here, God's father love. Father hyphen 
love. The privilege, the special advantage of being sons is rooted in God's father love. God has always wanted to be regarded as father. I don't want to use the word desperately. But if you go and study, let me show you. Genesis. Genesis chapter 6 verse 1. Now it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born to them. Now when men began. Yeah? And daughters were born to them. Two. See verse 2. That the sons of God saw. Genesis chapter 6 verse 2. The sons of God saw the daughters of men. There's a clear distinction between the beings regarded as sons of God and the beings regarded as daughters of men. Job chapter 38 from verse 6. I need verse 7, I believe. But let's see from verse 6. Job 38. To what were its foundations fastened or who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. This is at creation. And it is God himself asking Job where Job was at creation when sons of God were shouting for joy. At creation. So the sons of God shouting for joy there was not human beings. If I go from verse 1. The privilege of sonship. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this who darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Now prepare yourself like a man. God is asking Job. I will question Shay. In other words, Shay, you want to talk. Shay, you have mouth. I will question you and you will answer me. Verse 4. The question starts. The jam question that is not in past question paper. Do you, do you understand? Job did not, could not, cannot have the answer to any of the questions God was asking him. Because they were rhetorical questions. Do you understand? God was telling Job, Shay, you are making noise. Okay, now I will ask you a question. Since you are now enough to advise me or to tell me how to be God, I will ask you questions and you, almighty Job, will answer me. Are you ready? You know how your father will say to you, yes, teach me now. You have now grown. You can, do you understand what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Good, this is the Nigerian part of God now. <laughs> God had told Job, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Listen to the sarcasm. Tell me. It's actually rendered, tell me, since you have understanding. Go on. Who determined the measurements of the earth? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it, upon the earth? Go on. To what were the foundations of the earth fastened? You hold it all together. Or who laid its cornerstone? When? Can you see it now? Who laid the foundation? Who fastened its cornerstone at the foundation of the earth when morning stars sang together? So this is where you know that music is older than creation. I've taught from this before many years ago. Music predates creation because it's the language of the celestial. Music. When all the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God There was no human beings then. But there were beings that God extended a little privilege to be called sons. Angelic beings that had more access than others. 
whether they are cherubs, whether they are seraphs, we don't know. We can never tell. Scripture is silent on that. But we know this much that before creation, before human beings, they were angelic beings or other worldly beings as they are called in science. And they were regarded as sons of God. Now, why they were regarded as sons of God is not the issue. To what degree they were regarded as sons of God is not the issue. The issue that is very clear is that from before creation, God revealed his intention to be known as father. <laughs> and that's all I'm interested in. Oh, why are they sons? Were they in the image of God? Are they angels in him? When you reach there, you can ask him. And may I promise you that when you see him face to face, not through Holy Spirit, you will have no question left. So those of you that have planned God, plan again. Because you'll be heavily disappointed when you enter the day of the Lord where the Lord himself is the light of the city. He does not need the sun. He does not need... He, he, he himself is the light of that heavenly Jerusalem. Can you imagine that in the, in the new earth that has come in Revelation 21, the light is so bright because Christ is that light. No sun, no moon, no floodlight, no halogen, no LED, no DMX. There is no other source of illumination needed because you would then see him as he is. Light that was otherwise unapproachable. <laughs> and you will have... No, sir, you will not have question. Because in him are all the promises of God, yea, and amen. So how when we block him, we'll ask him, who became married? <laughs> what was her name? I will ask him, okay, may I be close to you? <laughs> when we ask you, I thought you had a question for God. You say, ha, stop that thing. <laughs> God will now himself look at you. You know it's He will now look at you and go, hey, but she you had a question for me. You're like, me, God. No. <laughs> God forbid. <laughs> me, I have a question for you. No, how? From where? Who? You'll be like, I'm sorry, Father, but who told you? <laughs> and as we're very defensive, we'll be like, call the person, Father, call the person. <laughs> Let's come and say it. Me, question. No. I have no question. So, uh, why were they called sons of God? To what degree are they called sons? I mean, it's a very good. If you want to stimulate your brain with theology, you can start to, to study all some things and start to worry yourself about all the knowledge of why, why they call us. Were they cherubins? Were they kerizins? Were they seraphins? Were they, which kind of angels were called sons of God? Why were they called sons of God? Are they the same ones that in Genesis 6? Knock yourself out. But all I'm interested in establishing, according to the word of God, is that he allowed that thing to be written to reveal his intention of always wanting to be known as father god as father god that's why when we when we came on the scenes and jesus starts to be manifested angels are looking like ah, ah he son of man who is man son of man ah. because now we now we now we 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 are sons of god no angel can dare to refer to themselves as son of god and today, on the menu of what we're eating, angels are inside. Today's menu, today's lunch, angels are inside. 
No, 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 they don't, they don't, no, 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 no. Angels are pre-programmed celestial beings that do the will of God without question. They are pre-programmed to carry out the will of God without question. That's why they are inferior to you. Because God delights in your choosing to subject yourself to his will. That's why he's you he came after. He delights in somebody that he shows enough love to get the person to choose to respond. That's why it's your worship that carries weight. Because if it's just worship by virtue of volume or quality. Oh boy, you know Sungrijo. Have you seen what they're doing in heaven? 24 elders. They are not synodal. They are not the ones that decide which prayer God should answer. Do you understand? The budget of heaven. We only have 13 years to distribute tomorrow for people that cannot hear. Let's vote. Who is going to get fresh ear? Father, we have 28 cases of cancer for December. We only have 14 cancer healing to give. Where are we going to give it to? You know, do not call 24 elders. And when they are calling, people are now shouting, the louder your amen. Okay. <laughs> I think we should send it. <laughs> I think we should send it there. The shout there is very loud. All in favor say aye. 19 elders will not lift their hand. Uh, five will not vote. Two, no, four will vote against. One will abstain. You know <laughs> And I say, well, majority carries the vote. Okay, let's say, no, that's not what angels are doing there. That's what the 24 elders are doing there. 24 elders are musicians. Each of them carrying harps. And these 24 elders control domains. That's what they symbolize. They are kings. Only kings have crowns, sir. And they are casting their crowns as they see a fresh dimension of God. For all eternity, they cast their crowns and they say, what is the lamb? And as they lift up their crown to put on their head, they see a fresh dimension of God and they cast their crown again. It's, it's, not like, it's not like they don't intend for the crown to be on their head. Every single time, they are hoping that they can wear the crown, but they see a fresh dimension of God. They have, they have been there from eternity past and they have not finished seeing God. And the atmosphere surrounding that is music. And these 24 elders, they are not beneficiaries of grace. They are products of the sovereignty of God. Are you, are you? It's important that you understand what I'm saying to you. The four living creatures are not functions of grace. They are there by design. They just happened there. But the heart of God is not inclined in their direction. Because grace is God being favorably disposed to you. <laughs> do you understand what I'm saying grace is God being what favorably disposed to you he's not favorably disposed to the 24 elders and the 4 living creatures they just are do you understand the way the utensils in your house are until you understand stuff like this grace will not make sense to you enough for it to take over and transform your entire life grace the most powerful thing God is able to release. Grace. And he chose you. Like this. You. 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 To give you grace upon grace. In fullness. No, you can't. No, no. It must do you. Oh my God. Are you understanding what I'm saying? No, you will never struggle with. You will never struggle with manifesting your sonship in the earth. You will never. 24 hours in a day, that's all, that's all. Oh, just 24 hours? 
in a day, if you had 40 hours in a day, it's not enough. Why? Because the privilege of sonship is rooted in the love of the father, the father love of God. I said in this house, it sounded ridiculous to some of you. I said, call God anything. You know, we are good at hyping God. Like it is when you do God, like you do the, the when you do God, God will be like, ah, oh, they have praised me too much. I have to do something. I have to do something. So you hear stuff like when the praises go up, the blessings come down. No, when the sun went up, the blessings came down. When the sun was lifted up, then the blessing came down. It's not when you praise God with blessing. Which, what was wrong with you? It's not in scripture. People are convinced the Bible says. There are people that are convinced. The Bible says when the praises go up. You can bet and put your money that the Bible says. But the Bible doesn't say. A song says. And because you receive the song as Bible. You have convinced yourself the Bible says when praises go up, the blessing come down. Ha! The Bible says God is good all the time. The Bible doesn't say that. There's no single place, Genesis to Revelation, where it says God is good all the time. Ouch. The Bible says God is good all the time. The Bible doesn't say A song says, and they sang it in church and you made it Bible. God is good. That is why time came. God is not good because of or as influenced by time. <laughs> it is in the goodness of God that time finds expression. Ha! Psalm 90 verse 1. Thou, O God, has been our dwelling place in all generations before the mountains were brought forth or even thou formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting from everlasting from no beginning no end to no beginning no end you are god and you are god you are good because you are god so the writer says in psalm 136 verse 1 give thanks to the lord for he is good and his mercy and his mercy endures psalm 136 verse 1 and his mercy endures oh give thanks to the lord for he is good go back from the beginning for he is good uh-huh for his mercy endures that's what scripture says time has never been used to measure any dimension of god yes, sir. time chronos no it's good it's god when the blessings go up praises go up the blessings come down and that's what the bible says Bible doesn't say he's always wanting to be known as Father God. So you come and then you now start to give God praises so that blessings can come down. Oh, Father, you're the masquerade that when you come out in the daytime, all the other masquerade run and hide. Eh? You know how sometimes you feel like because you praise God in your language is more powerful. When most times you don't understand that praising God in your language most times is idolatry. Because you are using your language tradition and nuances. Your language articulations and parables. Your language culture to describe God. Nobody sent you. Nobody sent you. There's no such allusion in the scriptures. You are the this and you are the that. You are the, I finally, you, and then we start to go. You are the rose of Sharon. The beginning and the end. The riri of the valley. The bright and the morning star. You know, the, the Obato Joabalo. The, uh, and God is looking at you like, is that all you know to me? That's all the revelation of me you have. Rose of Sharon. 
Meanwhile, you, you are feeling that because as you know, most times as you are praising God, listen, let, me, let me tell you this. Oh, can I say this? You have, you have to be careful when you praise God and you felt it. Most times it's yourself you praised. <laughs> you have to be careful. What you feel must be as a response to revelation, to what you know, not how it sounded. You praise God. Ah, you must have praised God. You are praising God and you're the one that is hyping. Ah, ah, hold on. It is you, it's doing no. Because most times you feel like because you call him the Lion of the Tribe of Judah, you feel like God is swelling and God is getting big. God is getting big like, like Godzilla. God is growing. God is growing. You're praising him. He's growing. Then God will get up. Yeah. What do you want me to do for you? Baby, take it. Car, take it. While I'm swelling up, take it. Take it. Take it. Because once you stop praising, I will swell down. Once I swell down, you're not getting anything. So a lot of Africans are praising God so he can swell enough to attend to your matter. What a cheap God. What a cheap God. We have to wind up his ego. Make his head swell. Oh, we have not praised him enough. Praise him some more. Praise him some more then. Because it's drama that did that to you. You know church drama. You see God on the throne. You're just like... Mm. Mm. You are funny him. You are praising. You are praising. You are praising. You not do not call him one. The lion that when he roars, God will not jump up. Ah, that is me. That is your village masquerade. It's your village masquerade. Because it's from movies. You learnt it. Where the, the warrior is about to fight. Then all the maidens are screaming and calling his name. And chanting and chanting. And then you see him moving that his breast muscle. Moving the breast muscle. Moving the breast muscle. Like, hey, hey. And then now call him. Now. He will not do this. Yeah. What do you want? That's what we imported into the faith. And began to show him movies. And began to show him drama in church. So you sit down and people do drama of God sitting on a throne and then you bring in one small present to give God. Say, God, God, you now be like, oh, my daughter, you brought me a gift. Let me try and move forward. <laughs> Is anybody getting instructed? I will show you. We're in Christ's experience now. This one I'm teaching in my own house. <laughs> Teaching my own house. Isaiah 66 and verse 1. Isaiah 66 and verse 1. Give me the NLT. We have the message, right? Yes, we have the message in Isaiah. Isaiah 66 and verse 1 in the message. Heaven's my throne. Earth is my footstool. What sort of house could you build for me? What holiday spot reserve for me? Go back to verse 1. NLT. This is what the Lord says. Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Could you build me a temple as good as that? Let's come. We're building a sanctuary for God. Jesus already built it. You are it. Yes. 1 Corinthians 3.9 For we are both God's workers and you are God's field. You God's building. You are God's building. That means there is no brick and mortar edifice known as the house of God. That's an insult to the cross. So when praises go up, blazings come down. 
and praises go up. Blessings come down. So you start trying to give God chanting. God's looking at you like, what is wrong with you? I promise you. Because again, and you can love on God, oh, I enjoy calling him that, oh, but he didn't send you. If he sent you, imitate, eh? Imitate. If he sent you, Jesus should have done it at least once. Every time Jesus lifted up his eyes to the Father, he would say, Father. And that was enough. I mean, but Yusuf, use your head now. Use your brain. How many of you have gone to your earthly father? You enter your room, say, Daddy, Daddy. Almighty Daddy. Original Daddy. Daddy one of the Alexander Victor clan. Daddy you was. Daddy you is. Daddy you is to come. Daddy the same yesterday, today, and forever. Daddy you smell good. Daddy you feel good. Daddy you look good. Your father was here. Is something wrong with you? So come, 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 come. Are you having a fever? There's something worrying you. And now you want to drive my car. You now say, oh, big daddy. Oh, big daddy. You are grayer than the grayest. You're, you're, you're mirier than the Of the increase of your government, there shall be no end. All I am trying to say here is that can I drive your car? When he says, let us come boldly. To the throne of grace. Boldly. Boldly. And then it's now up to the father to judge the responsibility of the son to handle what the son has come into the knowledge of that is his. That's what it is. That's what it is. He wants to be known above anything else as father. So when you come and say father, it encapsulates everything God is capable of. Inside father, you have acknowledged his entire possibility. Yes, he knew he was all that he knows he is. Yes, and he still told you, I'm your father. And that's the New Testament believer's understanding of God. The father. Because sonship is rooted in his father love. Not in his generic love. That's why I said father hyphen love. In his father love. His love dimension as father is what sponsors the privilege of sonship. Does that make sense? It is out of his love as father that we are sons. You didn't apply. Did you feel any form? Did you say father I, I want to be your son? No. Whom he foreknew he predestined. Romans 8.29 to be conformed to the image of his son. That that son might be the firstborn among many brethren. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. That he, the son, the pattern son, might be the firstborn. I've taught you in this house before. We killed that evil spirit here. Redemption of the firstborn. No, there's only in this kingdom, there's only one firstborn, Jesus. And he has paid the price. 
as the firstborn. All of us in this kingdom, all of us are secondborn. So there's no firstborn to redeem. No firstborn to redeem. How much more with money? Redemption of the firstborn. The firstborn has redeemed himself and us. Me, I'm secondborn. All of us in the kingdom are secondborn. You know why? Because God has no grandchildren. God has no grandsons. All of us are sons of God. Call me papa, daddy, father, whatever. All of us are, are sons. God has no grandchildren. We are all sons of God because of his father nature. So, the privilege of sonship is rooted in God's father love. John 3 and 35. John 3 35. The father loves the son. Can you see that? The father loves the son. Jesus is Jesus as son of God because God loved him. It's the love of God that produced this child born and the son given. Do you understand? It's the love of father God that brought about the son incarnate Jesus. Incarnate. Do you understand? The word has been with him from the beginning. The incarnate son, the son of God made flesh came as a result of God's love as father. So the father loves the son and has given all things into his hand. 1 John 5.20 And we know that the son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know him who is true and we are in him who is true in his son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Now see how this privilege of sonship that is a function of the love of Father God applies to us as we imitate the pattern son. First John 3, 1 and 2. Behold, right? What manner of what? The Father has given us that we should be called. How are we called sons of God? By his love. Do you understand? It's not by his rose of Sharonness or lily of the valleyness or nissiness or gyriness or all the other things that we call him. It is out of his father love that he birthed us as sons. It's because he is father that we became sons. It's not us becoming sons that makes him father. That is where, oh, are you getting this? You know, we we use human concepts sometimes to try and explain God so we miss it. Because you know right now, Solomon is hopefully, do you have a child? (laughs) I'm just checking. Do you understand? No, I'm I'm a media ass. It's not for a friend. I'm not a coward. (laughs) So, now you are not a father because you don't have a child. Does he have a child? Is he a father? You are not a father because you don't have a child. But you will have a child because you are a father. It's not having a child that will make you a father. It's because you have the capacity in your loins to father a child that will make you have one. It's from you the child is coming. It's not the child that will make you a father. It's you, Father Solomon, that will make a child. Do you understand what I'm saying? It is the seed of the father. That brings about a child. 
It is not the coming of the child that makes the person a father. But this father, pregnant with family, looked into his pregnancy and realized that there's so many sons inside him. So many, so many, so many. Let me bring them to life. So God now, out of his father love, gave birth to many sons by starting with one. Are you here? Love. So how did we come about the love of the father? Behold what manner of love the father has bestowed upon us that we should be called. Sons of God, King James. Take none, not children. That we should be called sons. You know, sometimes the translators feel like they are trying to modernize scripture to English. You know, I'm going to change something and not realize that that little change has changed the entire face of the scripture. The original word there in the Hebrew and in Greek is the word adelphos for brethren and the word technon for sons. And technon is not gender sensitive. That's why all of us are sons. We are not sons and daughters of God. We are sons of God, not by gender, but by designation. By designation. By positioning, we are sons. So there are male sons and female sons, just as there are male man and female man. God made man in his image. Male and female created he man. Are you here? Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, go on, because it knew him not. Now see verse 2. Beloved. No, no, hold on. Beloved. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that makes us sons. Now you are sons because you are beneficiaries of his love. That's why you are called beloved. The beloved of the Lord. Or as our parents used to say, the beloved. Anybody had parents that called them beloved? You know? Beloved. We are now the beloved of the Lord. So whenever I send you a message and I say beloved... You might think that it's nothing special. It's the most special thing I can say to you. The beloved. Whether I call you honey, sugar, sweet rat, chocolate, <laughs> chocolate, sugar, pepper, uh, onions, uh, tarugu, coffee, meat pie, pumpkin, munchkin. None of it carries the weight of you being known and regarded as the Beloved. Of the Lord. Because he too could have called you anything. And he says you are the beloved of the Lord. And then he now explains. Beloved as a function of the beneficiary of his love. Now. We are sons. Now. We are sons. Now. We are sons. I've taught this before in the Christ Conscious Believer series. Now, non, N-U-N, in the, in the Greek, right? And how it means that immediately, now, as a result of what has happened, we are sons of God. As a result of his love being bestowed, we are sons of God. Have you gotten that point? 
the privilege of sonship is rooted in the father love of God. Do you get it? We are sons of God by love. Do you understand? So let me put it this way. So as sons of God, we are a product of God's love affair. You know how they say, oh, um, this person and that person got together and they had a love child. Have you heard that? If you read or, or watch real movies. You say, oh, they had a love child. That means they had a love affair and as a result of that love affair, they had a child. You are the result of God's love affair. God decided to fall in love, consummated it, and I came to be. I am the result of Father God falling in love. I am a son of God because God fell in love. I am proud to be the outcome of God's love affair. And not the outcome that he is hiding. The outcome that he puts boldly on display. Say, now are we the sons of God. They're like, see, God fell in love. Look what he did. God fell in love. Look what he came up with. God fell in love. Look at the result. Ah, what manner of love. What manner of love. We are sons of God by love. We are sons of God by love. Say, I am a son of God by love. Say, I am a son of God by love. Yes. By love. By love. Not by compulsion. Not by fear. You see that later. But we are the product of God's love affair. By love. Hallelujah. What amazing love. What amazing love. Yes. I love it. Hallelujah. So we are sons of God. We have established that. We are sons of God. And that privilege is made possible by the father love of God. Now that we are sons of God, he now starts to bring us into responsibilities of sonship. And the responsibilities of sonship makes us ambassadors of our father. We're looking at the privilege of Jesus. The privilege of Jesus and the apostles and how that applies to us. So he now makes us ambassadors that go in a strange land and carry out the mandate of their principle. Does that make sense? You can't expect somebody who is employed by a principle to speak contrary to the principle. Are you following me? Because as an ambassador, your duty is to carry out to the last letter the mandate of your principle. Simple. We are sons by love. And because we are sons by love, we are called into the place of being ambassadors of our principle. So the privilege of sonship, Holy Spirit, help me to make this clear. The privilege of sonship as sons of God in Christ Jesus begins to be enjoyed deeply at the place of assignment as an ambassador. The moment an ambassador steps into the country that he has been sent to ambassadorize in, is our responsibility there. Is there we pay his rent. Here he will stay in his own house. Here he will drink his own water. Here he will drive his own car. That's the way it's supposed to be. So you see, I'm using these natural things to explain to you the concept. Are you with me so far? If the ambassador of Nigeria to London wants to drink pure water, they have to bring pure water for him. Because where he is, 
it's in the domain of his country, even though in a strange land. So there is supply for you. Now, you might not appreciate what I'm saying. I try and use natural things. Your immunity, your supply, your provision, your increase is located on the inside. That's what Adam and Eve do not understand. It's located on the inside. So your privilege as a son begins to be maximally enjoyed at the place where you are sent to represent the kingdom. Because the privileges you enjoy there, you not enjoy at home base. That's why I told you there's no sonship in the day of the Lord. Though. All this sonship flexing is for the earth. Because here are where the privileges are. Jesus himself enjoyed privilege of sonship because he answered the call to be God's ambassador. So Jesus could have been son of God by the love of the father all he wants and not enter privilege of sonship if he had not responded to the call of coming to do the will of the father. Are you here? John 6. John 6, I need verse 38. John 6, 38. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. That's Jesus speaking. I've come not to do my own will, but the will of he who sent me. This is the will of the father who sent me. That of all he has given me, I should lose nothing. But I should raise it up on the last day. Who the father foreknew. He predestined. So by foreknowing those that will be saved, he already handed them over to Jesus. Jesus came on assignment to collect all the father has. Oh my God. Are you guys getting this? Because the moment the, what, what the father reckons done is as good as done. So if the father reckons you saved, you are as good as saved. So but the moment the father foreknew you, he counted you and gave Jesus. As the, as the issues that Jesus will go and have. Do you understand what I'm saying? And then God tells him when he's coming to the earth, God tells him clearly, all the issues I've given you, go and mop them together and bring them to me. That's why I keep telling you, what would Jesus tell God happened to you? You gave me two billion issues. I lost two because they were stubborn. Eh? This is the will of my father who sent me that of all he has given me, I should lose nothing. But I should raise it up on the last day. That of all the father has given me, I shall lose nothing. Nothing. Nobody that is saved will die unsaved. Nobody who is destined for salvation will miss it. He now begins to beg the question, who is unsaved? Because if you are, if you are foreknown and predestined, lose all you want to lose, you will not be able to successfully lose. Because of all he has given me, I shall lose nothing. But I should raise it up on the last day. Verse 40. And this is the will of him who sent me. That everyone who sees the son and not see him physically, epignosis of him, and believes it, this is the will of God. 
that anybody who sees Jesus and believes him will have what? What does everlasting life mean, my dear? It means life that is everlasting. It's not deep. It's not deep. Everlasting life means a life that is lasting ever. Everlasting life is life everlasting. And ever life lasting. Lasting ever life ever. A life that is everlasting. You can't lose it. If you can lose it, then it is not everlasting. And this is the will of the Father. That anybody that sees Jesus and believes will have everlasting life. That is the mandate that God gave Jesus. Do you understand the what I'm saying? See 38 again. See the language in the three verses. Verse 38. I know why I take my time. I've come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this the will of the father who sent me. That of the ones he has given me, I should lose none, but raise up all on the last day. Verse 40. And then the will of the father is that anyone who sees and believes in the son will have everlasting life. So the will of the father is very clear. The MO, the modus operandi, is very clear. And Jesus came as an ambassador of the will of the Father. Because, let me show you one more scripture. Colossians chapter 1. The privilege of sonship as we imitate. Colossians 1. And I need verse 18 to 20. And he's the head of the church, of the body, the church. Who is the beginning? Jesus is the beginning. He is the firstborn from the dead. That in all things, he, Jesus, may have the preeminence. 19. For it pleased the Father, or it is the will of the Father. Or the Father will so have it that in Jesus, all the fullness should dwell. 20. Why? Why does all the fullness dwell in Jesus? That by him to reconcile all things to himself by him whether things on earth or things in heaven having made peace through the blood of his cross so the ambassadorial assignment of Jesus the firstborn son is very clear reconciliation without losing anybody now we are imitating right we are imitating Go back, go to 2 Corinthians 5.18. We are sons like Jesus, right? He's our elder brother. All of us are sons. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through the first reconciler, Jesus. Eh? First ambassador. And has now given us. So Jesus, first ambassador, hmm? recruited us into the kingdom and now made us ambassadors. So we have the same mandate now that he has. That he operated in in the earth. Are you following me? We are ambassadors in the earth. We are ministers of reconciliation. Because Jesus was the first ambassador. Jesus was the first minister of reconciliation. Now we are ministers of reconciliation after the pattern of Jesus. So we imitate his pattern by going about our ambassadorial duties with pride and diligence because we are being like him. And it's a joy to walk the path of Jesus. Not just is it a joy. That is where the most juicy things of life and godliness are hid. In the place of assignment. 
and the place of obedience to the mandate of reconciling men to God. Why did I say that? I said earlier on, ambassadors enjoyed the privilege of the ascending country, the country that sends them. They enjoyed the privilege of the country that sent them. Here in Nigeria, in Port Harcourt, if you enter the Shell Town, you literally left Nigeria and entered abroad. They have helicopter ambulance inside there. They have top-notch clinic facilities. Inside that fence, outside you just see barbed wire like this on the road. Once you enter there, light doesn't go off. No mosquito in Nigeria is possible. The lawn is nicely manicured and watered. Sprinklers. You know sprinklers? What is in American film? We have them in Nigeria. Once you enter, you are transmuted from one universe to another. Literally. These guys have their schools in there. They have their clinics in there. They have their cafes. So the British guys don't come out to town. Everything they need to be comfortable is inside that fence. And all the supply they need is there. They don't come out to go to a local pharmacy to buy Panadol. Whatever the equivalent of Panadol is in England, that is what they will use inside the England compound in Africa. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Why? Because when I live and I follow, the entire backing of the country that I'm representing follows me. The entire backing of who sent me is at my disposal. Whatever I need, it is the prerogative of my sending country to provide. That's the privilege of sonship as an ambassador. So you want to enjoy the maximum privilege, just go where you were sent. Just go where you were sent. Get busy doing what you were sent to do. Watch the privilege pour in. You are sitting down at home, getting fat on yourself and expecting to enjoy privilege. Nobody cares about you much at home. It's heaven. It's just heaven. Finish, you go there. That's why when you go, you're not coming back. But here, this is where the fun is. <laughs> we enjoy the privilege of our sending country. John 18, 36. John 18, 36. Where shall I go from? 33. This is Jesus being tried by or in front of Pilate. Then Pilate entered the praetorium again, called Jesus, and said to Jesus, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, Are you speaking for yourself about this, or did others tell you this concerning me? 35. Pilate answered, am I a Jew? I was my own. Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? 36. Hear Jesus' response to Pilate. Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. That's instructive. 
my kingdom is not of this world. The people that sent me are not from here. My kingdom is not of this world. Keep going. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now, my kingdom is not from here. So you see, we are contending for a kingdom that is not from here because we were sent from the kingdom that is not from here. Jesus said his kingdom is not from here. He's our pattern. We imitate. We too. Philippians 3.20 We too. We are not from here. Philippians 3.20 says clearly for our citizenship is in heaven. Because there's a problem if Jesus is of one kingdom and you are of another. But since we are imitating, scripture, you see, scripture cannot, be, can, cannot be contradictory. What applies to him applies to us. What doesn't apply to him does not apply to us, cannot apply to us. So his kingdom is not of here. And what he has left to us as well is the legacy of a kingdom that is not from here. For our citizenship is in heaven. From which we also eagerly await the Savior, the Lord Jesus. Have you followed the journey so far? Father privilege is a, so, if a product or rooted in father love. We are sons of God by virtue of the love of God. We are the issue <laughs> of God's love affair, right? Now, sonship then brings us into privilege that is enjoyed at the place of assignment. And our sonship calls us into ambassadorial assignment. And all the supply we need for life and godliness are located in the place of assignment. And assignment is not what job you're doing. Assignment is not what course you're studying. Assignment is not who you marry. Assignment is what part you are playing in the ministry of reconciliation. Because at the place of assignment, there is supply. We have understood that so far. So next week, we now start to look at the privileges that Jesus enjoyed in the place of assignment. And one of them is that he had the privilege of the ears of the Father. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening, and we hope it has been a blessing to you. For inquiries and further information, please send us an email to info at the or visit our social media platforms.